And we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. This vlogcast started as a combination of a spite and the Streisand effect, because if you really think that I'm going to go ahead and read this off of a script, you're nuts. No, man, I've just been doing this so many damn times. I've just got to memorize. There's no way in hell. I've been working on actually typing up all the stuff that we're supposed to do for the shows and whatnot. And I suddenly realized, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this in order to read off what I'm supposed to be saying. No, man, I, I know better than that. Follow Part of this is follow through the old adage. Sometimes the journey is more important than that. Hi. It's going to be one of those nights, guys. Hi. So welcome, everyone. It is I. I am known as Shujin Tribble all over the place. It's kind of hard to miss me. S-H-U-J-I-N. I am your main host. And I'm also having a little bit of a problem with my contact lens in my left eye, which is making things all kinds of fun for me right about now. So worst case scenario, uh, I pop it out. I'm not really hoping for that, but the contact, not the eye. Shut up. <laughs> Just not on camera. Not on, no. Definitely not on camera, and uh, yeah, there's 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 stuff. Let me go ahead and introduce you, everybody, and uh, kind of give you a feeling as to part of what's going to be going on in the relatively near future. Top left-hand corner of North America, where apparently uh, Yellowknife has beaten you guys in uh, total temperature points scored this week. Hi, Dallin. Yeah, I'm thinking of going up there, maybe uh, work on my tan a little bit, maybe get some get some beach time in <laughs> the worst you know the worst part about it by the way is that uh not only was the uh the temperature higher over there their humidity was lower by a lot hmm yeah well that doesn't surprise me i mean if it's uh i i don't know too much about most of the northern northwestern geography but uh if they are subject to, you know, the the result of of moving air coming down the windward side of a mountain range, yeah, that that does not surprise me. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a there's an earth science thing back from my ninth grade that uh, I'm I'm not going to do right now. But if there's a if there's a buddy of mine that ever watches this particular episode, I don't think it's likely to happen. Yeah, Mister Bedish would be having all kinds of fun at our expense right about now. From the mm. Midwest to the U.S., where uh, it's not exactly totally on fire. Well, you wouldn't know it, uh, Bridget. Good evening. Good evening. It's hotter than hell here, and it's humid too. Uh. Yeah, that's again. That's that's what's really killing everybody. I think it, literally, unfortunately, in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, heat indices around 115, 110, 115 are just not my cup of tea. Let's see. We must be neighbors. We really must be, because with the heat index, we hit 109 here in Maryland. And the humidity, it, it stopped being a number, and it started being a sentence. And uh -huh. it ended with, go F yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Mother Nature's a little bit pissed off at humanity right now. Oh, yeah. And I did, I did not leave the house. It's like, I feel bad as a kid taking the uh, magnifying glass to the ant, you know. Well, what's funny is, like, the last three days... It has been so quiet around here. I mean, nobody is doing yard work at nope. all. Nope. Nobody's it's outside. Uh -huh. Nobody's doing anything over here. Um, there are less cars on the road, and this is a Saturday. Because uh, down by me, they have um, – there's a website, and all the cameras that point at the roads at the uh -huh. heavy congestion intersections are actually public access. 
and um, yes, there are fewer cars on the road. Sorry, and uh, <laughs> it's my, my pedantry going on right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm watching. Uh, you know, I was like for shits and giggles. I said, let me see what the traffic looks like, and where the bridge near me should be backed up. It was just like there goes a car. There goes a car. There goes a car. I was like, holy crap! I could go someplace. I am not stepping outside and getting in that mm -hmm. car. Mm -mm. A friend of mine is baking cookies in his car today. <laughs> yeah, I, let's let's let's. There let's was a movie that, that uh, and I, it was one of those B flick science fiction things that show up on like the Sci Fi Channel, but never make it to theater kind of thing. And they got something right in it. And one of the guys was talking, asking um, his military person who was in charge of him, and he said, "How how do you know when it's too hot?" And the other guy reaches through, pulls out uh, through a broken window, and pulls out an egg from a grocery store display, cracks it on the sidewalk, and it starts to cook. And he goes, when you can cook an egg, it's too hot. Let's keep that in mind. And uh, since, since it took a little bit of extra time from outside of uh, the capital of the U.S., where a lot of stuff has been heating up, but that's a whole other, whole other thing. Tech, good morning. Morning. Yeah, well, you know, it'd be less hot if the head Cheeto in charge would just shut the f up. Yeah. That's a whole that other would, thing. That would cool off the in, entire planet's temperature by a, a degree or two. Yeah, Overall. Both, yeah, both from the hot air and the tempers he's flaring. <laughs> yes, but not, not, not like we would ever talk about something like that. That would be wrong. From oh. over the water <laughs> over to Paris, France, where also, it's not exactly been really nice weather-wise. Joseph, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I've kind of caught a bit of that. Notice he's the we're only not... one that seems to be excited about it. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, well, actually, we're not getting the heat wave until the end of next week. And we're expected to have the same kind of temperatures we had uh, a week ago. Oh. Yeah. Not pretty. Uh, don't ask me how they can predict it that far ahead, but uh, science uh, pattern yeah. recognition, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, that they, they if if there's one thing about the motion of clouds and stuff is erratic as the weather has been, you know, some of the air currents and stuff are consistent. So it really so, surprises yeah. me that I have met so many people, and it shouldn't surprise me. But I have met so many people who do not understand the level of intelligence that climatologists have to have to make their predictive models. I mean, it's not just a computer. The computer, sure, the computer processes a whole bunch of numbers. It does the math and things like that. But you have to have the human element in addition to that to get the predictive models that our weather forecasters at the news stations utilize. The weather, the people at, at, at there... They don't do all the work. The the major part of the work is done by the climatologist who sends them the information. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think you might mean meteorologists because the climatologists are dealing with... Uh, Sorry, meteorologists. My yeah. apologies. That's okay. Well, Wrong uh, term. I apologize to meteorologists and climatologists everywhere yeah. for screwing up the name. They probably well, get that all the time and hate it. Back home, I had to do a, uh, a report on our local climate for it was a school project and i went to the airport 
to get, well, it's so that I could get a hold of some records so that I could, you know, make a graph, do a trend and stuff like that. And they told me how they, they checked the temperature. They actually showed me and they would go out there. Like literally it's a box with a thermometer. And I think one had a, a wet cloth around the bottom for some reason. And the other yep. one was dry. Wet temp, dry temp. Yeah. And they actually handed me, um, records dating back 60 years yeah handwritten notes so these guys were going out every day open the door check the temperatures write them down go back to the office and yeah i i had to take all of that um basically co correlate everything and come up with a temperature basically an overall trend over the past you know while i was able to do about 60 years worth and it was still, it was fascinating how they, how they did that. I mean, now this was back late eighties. I imagine the technology has improved considerably everywhere else. Um, but still it was just, it was fascinating. Yeah. It's it, it, actually see, see how that worked. That's the thing about science, watching the background of how all this stuff works for different kinds of different forms of science can be very very eye-opening and exciting you know people are like oh i don't want to watch a thing spin a, a little test tube all day well it depends does spinning that little test tube all day yield you that little tiny result that makes that big boom that looks really really cool does it make that a neat little chemical or compound that you know heals somebody it can be very exciting dallin just for you ah! remember kids the only difference between screwing around and science is writing it down. I've got a question for Joseph real quick before we jump into our thing. How do you cope without any air conditioning? That's the Germans. They're buying air conditioners. Oh, what uh, What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger? I don't know. Does in that case, by next week, Joseph will be renamed to Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> he will be the strongest of them all. Because you don't have tech, any, do you? Tech, tech, that's two weeks in a row. That's two that's, weeks in a row. This one didn't go up my nose. This one didn't right. go up my nose. Last week it went up my nose. That shit hurt. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. you're welcome. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. You know, I, I, as a fat guy, I can actually um, add a little to that, Bridget. Um, what I noticed is on my current diet, and I'm not going to say what diet I'm on. I'm not saying how much weight I lost or anything else. I have been losing weight. It's It was a significant amount so far. I'm on a steady curve. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm feeling good. But as the weight's coming off, I notice I'm getting affected. Uh, I'm, I'm, my body is, is responding to the air conditioning more. So in other words, if I walk past a, a vent with the air conditioner coming out of it, I can actually get a chill. It used to be there was never anything cold enough. It could, the room could not be cold enough as, uh, well, considering my BMI, when, when I first started this diet, um, I'm classified as obese and, um, the room could never be cold enough. It, it, you could have the temperature set to 50. The room with mine doesn't go to that, but it couldn't be cold enough. Now, you know, I'm actually feeling the cold air. I'm noticing it. And when I go outside, it takes longer for me to start getting affected by the heat 
granted me and somebody like Joseph, it's going to be night and day difference of how long we can go before we start getting negatively affected. Cause I've got a lot more insulation, but between when I started and now I'm noticing a big difference. So it's, it's gotta be part, you know, physiology as well as what you're acclimated to, to begin with. But 113 with no air, I just could not. I, I yeah. have no idea. I, I know it's also it's also because the temperature is so well. There's two things if you're used to that kind of environment, you know, going between hot and air conditioning. That's already something, but I mean, um, and it's also the variability of the temperature because I mean things tend to be pretty constant here. Well, what did you do when you hit that heat wave that last time? What was what was your method of cooling off? Your preferred method that worked for you? Holy shit! Um, I just didn't think about it. <laughs> Sorry to say. I mean, I just, uh, I just like not grin and bear it. But I mean, uh, well, I just had to continue what I was doing. Uh, no, I, I get that. I mean, in it's spite it, of the heat. Yeah, I mean, I can't, toothache and waiting to go to the dentist. Grin and bear it. I got, I got shit to do. I mean, I can't spend too much time thinking about my comfort. No, I got you. I yeah, like that mentality. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to me. You know, it, it is what it is, and well, uh, okay, you know, just gotta gotta do what you gotta do, and just move on from there, right? I mean, there are times where you you do come to a point where you just say, I just can't work in these conditions anymore because the conditions are keeping me from thinking of whatever I'm doing. Completely understand. But yeah, yeah. Like I me mean, it's Georgia a tradition here. Sorry? Like me in Georgia. It's just too humid there. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've never been to Georgia. I have been to Kentucky, and I'm just glad I went at a time period where it was not summer. Oh, that reminds me. At our little get together today, I had to I I had to reset somebody's expectations because we got into talking about a particular installation at Kentucky, and the whole thing came up about the the um, flood insurance. And I said, unfortunately, it was all just because the road had washed out, and the 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 pout on that on that poor lady's face. It was I hated to break her heart. I think I know what you're talking about, but uh, not yeah. That's, that, that's that's not today's. That's not today's. I, I know, I know, I know. Much as it would like to be. So anyway. So that we got all that out of the way. Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for being with us. Of course, as usual, if you're watching live, take advantage of the live chat, which, of course, you know, a couple of you are already over there. Stephanie, Felis, Trippin, Doc Waxen. Good to have you guys all over there. And, you know, we could uh, almost call those our usuals now. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that, 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 is, that is really cool, man. It, it only... Uh, with, it, uh, in food service, we called them regulars. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. That's Unless fine. they were jerks, then we just called them assholes. No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> two hundred seventy divided by fifty-two comes out to well, all right. Let's call it fifty. So that comes out to four and a half. Oh yeah, okay. So it's Dallin. It's, it's taken us about four and a half years to amass people to actually be regularly watching the show. That's that took us all this time to become an overnight success. That's great, right there, isn't it? The long night is over. The dawn is no, no, okay. No, no Andromeda sequels here. No, it is the dawn here. Yeah, that's it's a mm -hmm. it's, it's a different thing. 
it's a different thing. So uh, as an aside, by the way, for those of you that are watching from later, yes, we are actually currently in the middle of the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing mission. And in one of my windows, I actually do have the timeline from NASA up on my screen so I can check and see where we are at the moment. And at the moment, it is, uh, let's see, it is 0422 hours UTC, 21 July, which puts us at LM Landing Gear Inspection and Photography Scientific Equipment Bay Doors are opening. So, yeah, I'm actually keeping track of this stuff because I don't remember this. I was too young. And I find so much of this absolutely fascinating. At the time that we are on, they have been on the surface, actually, for the EVA. Uh, I think it was two hours at this point. Something, something along those lines. I forgot exactly what it was, but, you know, it's great. It's great. Anyway, let me go ahead and get everything uh started for us because we got uh we got we got stuff to talk about and fortunately this is going to be a fun night for a change now normally for those of you that might remember our usual power of 10 episode is where we would be at because you know it's episode 270 and normally it would be you know a free-for-all uh, you might have noticed i did not make any kind of reference to it this time because the space program the 50th anniversary of the moon landing is a little bit more important than our sorry asses. So with five minutes on the clock, which is over here, your five minute freestyle starts right now. And I titled this one legacy. And I I've had, I've had a whole bunch of things that uh, have kind of gone through my head. And as usual, I didn't want to make this specifically about the moon landing. Although it is high on a lot of people's minds, myself, especially because I've grown up, almost always knowing that there was a landing of humanity on our closest celestial partner. But people don't want to believe it. It is what it is, I suppose. But the legacy, I kind of thought about it. You know, there, there are a number of things for which we can look at stuff and realize that there is a legacy to it. Uh, Dallin and I spoke about last night how, you know, there, there are certain things that happened in my lifetime. You know, the laser is something that actually came to fruition when I was a newborn. The laser has been only in existence for the 50 years that I've been alive. We didn't have it. And look at what we've done with that technology. We have, well, for lack of any other oh god i can't believe i'm gonna do this we have data storage yes i know unreal tournament 2004 shut up i've had this for a long time <laughs> um we have data storage that holds ungodly amounts of information music computer programs um bootleg old-time radio skits yes i i got one of these we use it for range finding there is a scientific instrument up on the moon right now whereby they can train a laser pinpoint where that reflector is and measure the distance 
with a laser pulse from the Earth to the moon and find out exactly how far away and how far it's drifted over however long it's been. But legacy is a lot more than that. It is a measure, a very imprecise measure, a very analog measure of what has something accomplished for the future. Now, like I said, the laser is an impersonal item. It is a piece of technology. And what we've been able to do with it since, you know, 50 years ago, it's been pretty outstanding. I mean, the idea of being able to use it for, like I said, data storage, for data transmission across fiber optic, for range finding with the moon, to medical uses of, you know, inserting a very small fiber inside of a human body in order to cauterize and burn away problems. You know, we had we had no way of knowing something like that was going to end up happening. But then I kind of started to turn inward. Because legacy is something that we also think of ourselves. And it happens for many different people that they leave a legacy behind. In some cases, they think that it's their children is what that is. You know, some people can't have children for whatever reason. Some choose not to. doesn't matter. But the legacy that I think that I want to be known for most is for helping. In some ways, maybe helping people because of the cancer thing. Maybe for some, it's a matter of helping for just sitting with someone when they're having a bad day. But most, I would really hope that my legacy, my personal, is for teaching, for helping people come to terms with, you know, this really sucks. But he helped me to understand that there are ways through it and I can manage. But like with so many others, I got where I am because of other people's shoulders that I stood on. And not all of them are real people. So before it actually happened properly, whether it's for good or for bad, thank you for teaching me so much about morality, Gene Roddenberry. You did a lot of good. Thanks for helping that along. Episode 270, Mankind Achieved the Unbelievable. You know, it was funny. I was looking through the information. The old black and white silent movie, A Trip to the Moon, 1902. And in 70 years, we went from a silent movie that depicted the moon as a giant face that <laughs> that only met that only Ms. Doubtfire could love <laughs> to being a new world that we actually have the opportunity of understanding better and really starting to question where the hell did you really come from and have the opportunity of actually coming back with some answers 
now, by the way, for those of you that are a, a little wondering and, and watching, yes, um, I have been closing my eyes to try to help the, uh, like I said, I don't know what's going on with the, uh, with the contacts, but, um, you know, I, I think it's easier for me to just close my eyes and not try to reach around the boom that my microphone is on because I don't want to, I don't want to ding the thing and, and have Dallin look the waveform and all of a sudden everything's going fine. <laughs> oh, that's just bad, man. Yeah. Click drag control L. <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, I don't recommend that for those of you that know uh, audacity. You know exactly. No, that's a that's a bad thing usually. Mm. But in any case, mm. um, there was some interesting um, developments regarding uh, Rafe Badawi this week, and not specifically about him. I guess it's probably the nicest way of putting it. Somehow, some way, some reason or other that, for the life of me, I don't understand, and I haven't been able to figure out. Apparently, Mike Pence, current vice president of the United States of America, <laughs> Mr. Mommy's boy, somehow or other found it in him to ask um, Saudi Arabia to really think about letting him go, but really didn't have anything behind it. It was kind of a, yeah, by the way, you know, um, really like you to go ahead and, you know, uh, change the mats inside your car that, that'd be really nice you know that kind of level of whatever so, yeah i i maintain that uh secretly he's a fan of the show he's a constant watcher <laughs> and and he was hoping that you know by him doing something we could actually have some good news about ray for a change or at least news that says something happened yeah that's i can't exactly tell you what it was I can only tell you that, yeah, something something other than no news. So, unfortunately, with nothing really germane happening, as of the recording of tonight's show, it has now been seven years, one month, six days, since Rafe was unjustly incarcerated for thought crime. Our hopes, our thoughts are still with you and your family. We're still hoping. And it galls me to think every time I say that, you know, Hopes and prayers, hopes and prayers. We we may not be able to do something directly ourselves, but we can at least keep watch as to what's going on and do our yeah. little piece where we can. I actually went to the uh, to the site of Patheos, the friendly atheist, to get some more details. And uh, let's see. So last year, Justin Trudeau spoke with King Salman Bid. Abdul Aziz to talk about it. Uh, now Pence has joined in. Here's the thing. Including Badawi in a list of four men who have been punished for speaking out about the faith. So I get the feeling that it wasn't probably about Wraith particularly. No. Um, it, now the article didn't mention who the other three were. But it makes me wonder if one of those four maybe that's who they're maybe that's who he's trying to emphasize but you know let, let's throw rafe in anyway because reasons i the cynic part of me thinks that somebody on his staff actually has even a remotely little bit of a heart 
and is aware of Rafe Badali as well as several other people who have been unjustly imprisoned for thought crimes as as it is honestly mm -hmm. put and mentioned it to him is like look you know you're going out there and you're going to say this about this here's this guy who was doing this thing he should be mentioned too if you really want you know the proper effect and to really bring something to the attention of the public and i i think that was more of that was the case of what was going on rather than pence actually giving a damn could be so Could you be. probably had somebody on the staff who gave a damn and saw Pence as a potential mouthpiece to where Pence would use it to make himself look good. But the staff member thinking of actually being a human bro, you know, mm, yep. that's the cynic part of me. Well, I truly do not know what happened because I wasn't there. Yeah, fair enough. It's, it's a curiosity to be certain. True. I'd really like to know where the hell he, he found out about Rafe because he doesn't strike me as the guy who pays attention to any kind of foreign affairs, regardless of his position, gives no. a damn about anybody else being locked up. We saw that with his his physical reactions to the um, detention centers. You know, this is not a guy who cares about his neighbor, regardless of what the Bible says or regardless of what section of the Bible you're paying attention to. And... Uh, yeah, so I'd really like to know what brought this on. Don't know. And you know what? Uh, as I've said before, if you're going to be a fake, if it's for the good, keep being a fake. Don't care. Um, yeah, just don't stop. Yeah, exactly. Don't stop halfway through. If you're going to fake it, don't do it half-assed. Fake it so much that nobody will ever know that you'd never faked it. Or no, yeah. make it fake it so well that nobody could tell that you faked it. And you have to do that by giving 110%. Hmm. Now you're talking about a reverse Poe. You know that. <laughs> hey, po whatever here, works, right? Poe there. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So a couple of things that uh, we'll end up talking about, uh, but the least of which is the, the actual about the moon landing, because, I mean, Jesus, one of the most one of the most anticipated in human history journeys, one of the most audacious plans, uh, and one of the most terrifying items that humanity has ever accomplished. Um, over in the chat, uh, Stephanie was saying, I remember the moon landing and worrying about whether they would get back safely. That was a legit concern. Mm -hmm. And I know for well from some of the stuff that I've learned because believe it or not of playing Kerbal space program, you know, you, you, you start to get a little bit invested in what actually goes on and finding out that there was a relatively narrow angle into the atmosphere that the capsule needed to hit in order to be able to slow down enough to be captured by earth to not burn up entirely mm -hmm. because and not so shallow an angle that it effectively skipped off the atmosphere. Now, the way that they say that it's not like they like skipping a rock off the top of the ionosphere or something. Now, it was just a matter of that. You could be screaming in so incredibly fast that the amount of atmospheric drag still isn't enough to slow you down 
enough so that you fall down to the ground or yeah. water, as the case may be, because they didn't have nearly enough supplies in order to go around another time. That could have ended poorly. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. We are incredibly lucky that, as a species, as a species, that, to the best of my knowledge, to date, we have not had a... We have not had an astronaut lost or cosmonaut lost in space. In the atmosphere? Unfortunately, yes. On the pad... There have been some booms. Yeah. And there have been some fooshes of fire. Yep. That's the one I was thinking of specifically. There was one, uh, there's one story that uh, I'm just going to go ahead and recount really quickly and we'll kind of move to whatever else. The mission was not originally called Apollo 1. It was not Apollo 1 until after. The idea is that they were going to test out the overall system, have a couple of the guys in the capsule, and bring it up to pressure, see how things work, and check all the, you know, make sure everything was working the way it's supposed to inside. And they did not realize that the oxygen levels were as high as what they were. And all it took was one spark from a button an old-fashioned electronic switch yep. and the spark ignited the oxygen in the capsule these three guys had no idea what was going on they had no idea that this could happen nobody did and it was only after the fact that they all basically said oh yeah, that is something that can happen, isn't it? We can't let this happen again. But they actually had some joking that happened inside. They talked on the radio about a couple of different things. They There was a, a misspelling on some piece or other, I've forgotten exactly what it was, that they thought was funny and they kept it and all NASA space flights afterwards have actually used those uh, those misspellings specifically as an homage to them and have some star pointers specifically using the initials from the first Apollo astronauts hmm. not that they were going to be astronauts they were they were intended to stay on the ground but they have kept their legacy alive all the way through the space shuttle program. And it's, it's one of those things that, like I said, it's, it's legacy. It's owning up to the past, recognizing it and holding a piece of it, no matter what, because it's relevant because you need to always be mindful that you know space travel is dangerous man it, it no matter how you look at it you're entrusting who only knows how many people to make sure that that roman candle that you've strapped your ass to is not going to just blow itself up 
And good lord, the Saturn V was a beast. The Saturn V rocket was an incredible beast. If you ever look at the, uh, if you ever get the opportunity of looking at the, uh, the Lego Saturn V uh, Apollo Eleven, yeah, it's so amazing to see this thing that's like almost two meters tall, and then find out that the capsule that the three guys sat in is is about the size of a thimble by comparison. That's how much fuel. The vast majority of that was fuel to get that sucker. Mm-hmm. I mean, once once you're away from once you're away from the Earth and outside the atmosphere, man, you don't need nearly as much fuel. But mm-hmm. when when you're trying to get out, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a lot of push you need. You know, velocity and all that. Well, yes, yes, but uh, fortunately, all they needed at first was um, orbital velocity. Which comes up to roughly seventeen thousand miles an hour, very roughly, and then a little bit more to get to the moon, and you know enough to stop there, not stop. You, you know, what I mean. <laughs> Land. Just, no, keep keep spinning around, spinning around until they decided to come home. Just keep spinning, just keep spinning, yeah. just keep spinning, something like that. By the way, I like how. Um... Felix had mentioned that, you know, there's conspiracy about having never been to the moon. I was like, yeah, you know, the, my favorite conspiracy about that is the one where Stanley Kubrick supposedly filmed the fake landing on the moon uh, movie videos, uh, footage and such. Um, and I, I think they're absolutely right because, you know, Stanley, he is completely dedicated to the to the art form and so much so that you know the reason why it took them so long to get it done was because he had to get to the moon so he could film on location it's the only way to do it man (laughs) see see, it's the only way to do it Mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. uh i did post a link to how they got the uh the moon filmed uh task accomplished by popular mechanics and uh live science does mention you know how the the People say, oh, it was faked, but they talk about how it was impossible to actually fake that footage. Um, you can find conspiracies everywhere you look, and you can also find the hard sciences. I'll leave the rest up to you. Um, I've already given you something to actually work with rather than just saying it. I've actually given some reference material. Yep, uh, I will make sure that that's in the notes, yep. and as well as uh, whatever links I can find for the MythBusters episode, which was delicious. Thank you very much. Now, what I can give you is I can give you some hearsay. Uh, this is this is interesting stuff. This is um, it. Uh, I haven't really heard anybody who is actually familiar with this. Now, this comes from my grandfather when he was alive. He's deceased. I have no way to confirm this anymore. But apparently, uh, when my mom was younger and Star Trek was a thing, and it was before the original cancellation. Um, so 1965, 1968. Something like that. I, I no, think... that, no, it's exactly what it is, man. Don't don't screw around with me on this one. This okay. is something I actually know about. <laughs> okay. don't, well, before, don't, don't screw with me, man. Before the initial cancellation that was blamed on bad reviews, it had been out for a year or two or something like that. And um, not back, bad reviews, sorry. It was can- originally canceled supposedly due to lack of viewership. 
it was getting bad uh, viewer rating uh, compared to everything else that was supposedly available on the TV at the time. And um, my mom had heard about it was going away and she was very upset. She was having a conversation with her mother, my grandmother and my grandfather, who doesn't really pipe in on stuff, at least when he was alive, he wasn't a big sharer or anything like that. He said, it will come back. And my mom said, asked him how he knew. And he said, the government has asked them nicely to temporarily remove it from the air while they work on the shuttle. And my mom didn't question that because my grandfather at the time was actually working with a team that was working on some interior components of the shuttle. I, for one, am skeptical, but a part of me wants to think that this might be true for the sole reason that during the time that he was working on that project, there were men in cars that would escort him to work from his house and from work back to his house. Nondescript car, suit, all, you you know, the, the usual thing. And, but as long as he was on that project, every time he had to go to from, every time he left, he was escorted by two men in suits in a car. And part of me goes, is it possible? Back then, the government did have a lot more sway with our television broadcast systems. There were fewer channels. There were fewer companies. If they asked politely, they might have, you know, depending on whether or not they were being jerks, whatever the reasoning. But sure enough, you know, it came back. And the shuttle was, and if you look at the shuttle and you look at certain aspects of the interior and the exterior of the shuttles, and you look at some of the technology that was supposedly, you know, future technology in some of the movies and series, there are some definite similarities, especially in layouts and such. Yeah, it's entirely possible, but I mean... Again, uh, this uh, is hearsay, people. No. Use your skepticism. I have no way to validate it. It's coming from a family source, and and the primary source is deceased. So, yes. again, it's all hearsay. Yes, but it's a, fun to think about. It, it is. It hmm. is. And uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get hell for this one of these days. To be fair. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. Um, you know, I, let's, I, let's, did that one, I did that one at the party tonight. Only one person got it. Only well, it, you know, it's, it's it's better than that's better than you just kind of being, dude. Don't don't leave me hanging. Uh, so <sighs> let's let's face it. I mean, the shuttle was effectively a space plane, more appropriately a space glider. But you, you I call it a space so, brick. Yeah, that well, that's because that's, well, that's kind of the way that it flew. It, it was it was really not much more than a than an eighteen wheeler with wings. Yeah, G given uh, what it what it what its purpose was. Yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a it was a pickup truck for. Yeah, it, it was a it was a half ton with a set of wings. Yeah, and a really big gas tank. <clears throat> True. And and the, and the cool thing is, is uh, the technology that's inside of it. Forget forget the shape. Yeah, okay, it's shaped like a brick with wings, and it was the optimal shape that they could do with the technology they had at the time, but. 
looking out, looking past that the outer shell, look at all the stuff inside of it. It is one of the coolest pieces of technology I got a chance to look at. Yeah, I mean, they've got the cannon arm. So, you know, we got that going for us. Well, there, there was more than that. I mean, the tiles, the, the, the heat shielding yeah. tiles. I mean, well, I'm not I, talking about just that. I'm talking about everything. The computer systems that they had inside, yeah, or everything. Hell, they carried a machete for God's sakes in there. Um, or wait, uh, no, I'm sorry. That was the uh, that was the capsule that they had the machete in. I don't think this, the shuttle had the machete. Never mind. Uh, sorry about that. One of the capsules. Um, one of the one of the space capsules had a machete in it because they weren't sure upon re uh, entering orbit and and they might land, make a ground landing or saw a, you know a, a landing in a marsh or some kind of climate that they'd need a machete to go through the f foliage and shit. Okay, okay. Well, I I do remember that the uh, I don't remember if that was on the shuttle or not though. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was the uh, Soyuz or Vostok capsules. Uh, had a uh, had stuff in it so that, uh, like uh, for instance, a, a shotgun, so that if you, when you landed up in Kazakhstan, I think I could be I forget where exactly, but if if there was any indigenous life that was um, of an Ursine major, you could you see what I did there. You could you know fend them off, because you know I mean why stay inside the capsule when you know. Is just dumb. Anyway. Oh but, yeah, here it is. Um, the astronaut's knife M1 machete. It was uh, survival gear of the Gemini and Apollo missions. Oh. 17 inch blade saw teeth on the back. Um, it, the base of the blade was left as a blunt so that it could be used for prying purposes if necessary. Both the Gemini and Apollo capsules were de designed for splashdown on the ocean near the equator, this was in case they landed in a jungle off course. And here's the link. Okay. So, yeah, I wasn't misremembering. I'm not full of shit. I was like, oh, come on, don't do this to me. Space machete, and it's going. Uh, uh, the first results were machete kills in space, Danny Trejo. And I'm going, oh, come on. No, 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 no. no. This is science, not movies. Hmm. Come on, give me the science. <laughs> Um, but there's an actual picture of the kit, by the way, in that link. Okay, I'll make sure that we get that. Uh, by the way, and, going back, uh, and, and, see, Felis said, I know a guy who worked on the shuttle program, uh, shuttlecraft project, the shuttle program, same, same. Cool, very cool. Uh, Trippin had asked, didn't the Chinese space station re-enter yesterday? Yes, it did. Fortunately, it splashed down in the graveyard, where right where it was supposed to. Yep. Fortunately. Um, there was another piece over here. Trippet had mentioned they could fit a school bus inside the shuttle. That'd be one hell of a field trip, though. Oh, right, space camp. Never mind. We'll we'll talk about that another time. That was crappy. Mm. Uh, um, as a kid, it was exciting. It is true. That's true. Um, one of the other things that I think is immensely cool. I mean, absolutely immensely, and was wholly terrifying was the first untethered spacewalk from the shuttle mm -hmm. using the, the, the EVA pack. 
Yeah, the bottom of their stomach must have just dropped like a rock, even in zero gravity. The Buck Rogers pack, as they as they name as they nicknamed it. Yeah, um, I I remember just being wholly in terror for them, because I mean it's one thing to have this 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 little, well not exactly little, but this lawn chair that you're sitting in, and you're you're in the shuttle bay. Okay, you disconnect your tethers, but you're still inside the shuttle bay at first. And I'm thinking to myself, the first thing that I'm thinking, believe it or not, is what happens if it doesn't close a vent and it keeps venting propellant in some direction, in a bad direction? That was the first thing that was going through my head. Yeah. And these guys went out there and they were like i forget how far away they were uh i think they were within 100 meters but they were still you know they were away from the ship yeah and they were just looking down at the planet just this is the this is the best view in the world man well yeah see and that's what i was thinking like okay it's it's utterly terrifying yeah you are basically separate you are yourself you could theoretically go anywhere with that thing well within a certain amount yeah well yeah but but as you said now imagine that so you're 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 basically you're you're testing the waste collection limits of your spacesuit <laughs> i know what you mean yeah but then you turn and you do look down at the earth I think at that point, the mind just goes blank, and you are you're staring at a pretty big piece of awe there, if you know what I mean. You know, there's um, there used to be I don't know if there is anymore, but there, there used to be a channel on uh, my cable system here from the ISS or from a shuttle launch. It was NASA TV, and you were actually able to watch from from a camera flyovers of the earth yep and with, with a high def screen you can kind of get that 3d feeling because you know the separation of the clouds and everything like that you could sit there and watch it for hours and, and just think you know where that camera is and what it's doing and how cool would it be to be up there to witness it firsthand and that's that's not even a high orbit either. No, that's a relatively that's actually a relatively low Leo low Earth orbit. Is, yeah, is, is what Leo means, by the way. Yeah, but like imagine like I'm just thinking, like some of the pictures that that came back from the moon. I, I'll never forget. There was a a set of kid encyclopedias my mom bought me a hundred years ago, and one of them had, well, two or three of them actually had stuff about the moon the moon landing and i was i was reading that and i was oh god seven or eight years old when i got these and just thinking about like just looking at the pictures you know like here they are they they've they've traveled it was four days from from earth to the moon and then armstrong went down the ladder like what 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 is going through your mind other than damn i'm on another planet like 
my mind would be so blown at that point to turn around and see the earth the way we see the moon most nights. Yeah. A, a lot bigger, mind you, but still, like, I just, I, uh, how could you not see that and just literally forget to breathe? You know, there's actually a thing about that in Venice. Um, some tourists, they actually suffer from that because they're so in awe of the architecture and the richness of the history of that place. Some people literally forget to breathe. Like, can you just, I don't know. I think I'd, I think my entire body would just shut down if I was up there just staring around and, and just fully realizing where I was and what I was doing. Well, my smart ass. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I'm I'm no medical expert. I, I'd have to, you know, turn it over to Bridget on this one. But uh, Bridget, it, I'm pretty sure that most people's bodies would entirely shut down if they forgot to breathe for a significant amount of time, right? Yeah. Well, I just I want to make sure I got that. I, I think breathing would be like the last thing. Just again, I mean, you would you would go unconscious and then you'd your autonomic yeah. system would take over and I again. Yeah. <laughs> I get the feeling those suits were fairly pressurized, though, so yeah. it, it's yeah. kind of like a, probably like a gigantic wearable CPAP. You know? <laughs> it's like you are going to breathe, <laughs> whether yeah. you like it or not. <laughs> but it would just—I mean, you would just be so awestruck; it would be hard to do anything except for stare, just stare back, and wow, mind blown. Yeah, I could—I could just see it now. Uh, no, I can't. Uh, I can't do it on on the thing. Yeah, we'd like you to bring in the EVA pack right about now. <laughs> yeah, in a minute, Ma. See, my smart ass would be. Uh, yes. By the way, you've got a you've got a picture that you're showing off. Yeah. Well, before I get to that, yeah. um, my smart ass would be going. Damn, I wish I brought a golf club. Which, <laughs> believe it or not, on Apollo 14, they did. They did, and they hit two golf balls on the moon. My my idiot butt would be aiming for the planet, which means I would probably get in trouble because my luck, I'd actually hit a satellite in orbit or some shit. Like I, a one in a million shot. Crap, I just took out MTV. I get the feeling you'd have to hit that ball a little bit harder than a, than with a driver to, uh, to get it to break orbit. Yeah, not to mention the fact that the one in a million. Oh man, I don't even It'd know. Even be how higher than that, yeah. Oh, far to... and away. Now, the picture that you've got here, the the, right. the ray gun that this guy is holding. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to give an example of what I meant by looking at technology and seeing something that's supposed to be future technology or advanced technology, and then looking at the stuff that we have used in the space program and comparing them. So anybody who's ever watched any James Bond movies, um, there was one in particular called Moonraker, and they actually had laser guns. Well, didn't not, they make it twice? I mean, I'm, I'm no. sorry, I'm, I'm nitpicking just right. a little bit. Not yet. <laughs> anyway, um, this is more, the picture is of astronaut Grunsfeld with a power tool. Think a screwdriver with no mm -hmm. bit in it. Right. You can put a bit, you can put a drill bit, you can put a screw bit, whatever you want. The tools that are made for outer space have to be made in such a way that they can be durable against the harshness of outer space, the harshness of 
the environment inside uh, whatever the the capsules and the space shuttle and everything else um, they have to be made out of materials that don't vent gases um, when removed from a gravity-based environment. So there, there's a lot of things that they have to be taken into account that determine how these things end up looking. And you don't just have an electrical outlet anywhere, so these things tend to run on battery packs and all that other fun stuff. So he's just holding what looks like what what is a power tool, a, a drill, basically, once you put a drill bit on it or a screwdriver, power screwdriver, once you put a screwdriver bit on it. But that looks a lot like the laser guns from Moonraker and from many other movies, too. Just bigger, maybe a different color. Maybe the top wasn't as square. Maybe it was more rounded. But overall, the general shape of it, that thing looks like a futuristic weapon portrayed in various movies. So we see this a lot. We, we see this a lot happening where something will look futuristic in space and then it makes it down here in our technology and around us, or we'll see something in the movies and it'll make it into space because it turns out, you know, that science fiction writer didn't, wasn't exactly off course with what they went with, you know, and so on and so forth. So we see so many correlations, uh, so many different um, similarities is the word I was looking for. Sorry, not correlations, similarities between our actual technology that we use in space and the stuff that we haven't written about in our science fiction magazines, in our movies, and, you know, just stuff that we imagine up. It's really cool. Yeah, there's one thing, uh, there's one thing about working in space and I'm, I'm specifically thinking of, of things like Hubble, which is not cool. Oh, God, I wish <laughs> I wish we could resurface Hubble again. I really, really do. But yes, anyway, that, you and that's I both. Thing. Yeah, you and I both uh, agree on that. Yeah. Um, the and, and then I got something else to, to mention about that. I think one of the funniest things that I can remember about watching these guys working in space, especially working on uh, fixing Hubble, which was a great mission, by the way. The idea that every little... Okay, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. We take for granted that we can just turn a screwdriver here on Earth, not realizing that in space, if you're not tethered to anything... You're turning yourself on that same screwdriver because you're not tethered to anything that's bigger in mass. Yeah, because so, physics is a bitch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Dell, we have a we have a, a thing over here. Yes, I, I saw it and I fixed it, as you can see behind <laughs> me. Uh, no, to be honest, in a panic, I grabbed the first image I could, or the first image I found, which looked good, and then it was a good image. Yeah, and then, um, oh hell, what was it? Uh, Trip mentioned that the uh, the the pick I chosen was actually one that was used in a conspiracy video, so I saw that I kind of went, "Oh crap!" Not exactly the image, not exactly what I wanted to project. So now I've got a picture of uh, Buzz Aldrin here standing before the flag. I went with just space uh, a space background themed background. Mine is actually um, artwork. It's not any kind of picture or anything like that, if anybody's wondering. Actually, it bears a striking resemblance to the uh, opening of the DS9 wormhole. 
it it does but it's not it is not <laughs> this is actually hand the the uh, i subscribe to a, a particular website and the guy who does the work he uses computer modeling and all sorts of stuff and he does these uh, uses advanced tools to make these things and my wavy line background is is from his set as well um I actually pay for these people because I like them. They're beautiful. I love them. Yeah. The picture that you've got there, though, uh, to me, it looks like it's depicting a, a consuming black hole. And I say that because it has the 90 degree jet coming out, the uh, plasma jet coming out uh, 90 degrees from the accretion disk. I, again, it's all based upon the artist, but it was not. Um... It was actually not a black hole, according to the notes in the uh, section of the website. Fair enough. Black holes would be very black in the center. It wouldn't have all that light around it. Well, well and, and, mm, and that's talking radiation coming out. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, no. Yes, it is. No. What was that not, movie uh, with, uh, what's his face? Uh, the one who goes, all right. Matthew McConaughey, Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah. Um, what's his face? Uh, oh God, why is my brain farting right now? Not Bill Nye, um, the one who's in charge of the uh, Hayden Planetarium right now. Uh, that would be Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes, Neil deGrasse Doctor, Tyson. Doctor. Doctor. Dr. Tyson actually came out and said that that was the closest possible rendering that we would get mm -hmm. to what a black hole should actually look like if you could observe it in person and up close. Yeah. Right. Based now. on all known science, mathematical models and everything else. So if you want to see what a potential black hole would look like up close and personal, go watch the movie Interstellar. Yeah. And he even said that the wormhole the, the concept of a wormhole entrance was also accurate. That one's that one's a little bit harder to do. It, that's harder up in the air button. because that is real <laughs> quantum theory stuff and, and way out there. But based on the models that they used, it was accurate. Yep. I, sh I should rephrase my words. No worries. Yes. No worries. But uh, some of the stuff is is really really wild out there, uh, and one of the items that Joseph just mentioned was uh, Hawking radiation, which to me is a fascinating item that I do know a little something about. Uh, Hawking radiation is something that we would not be able to detect visually, at least not very easily at all. Uh, the concept is that in space-time, the fabric of reality as we know it, which is basically everything, there are blips of what's referred to as virtual particles that blip into existence and then blip out because they reconnect to each other. They're basically two halves of the same piece and they reconnect to each other and they reannihilate and reabsorb back into the fabric of space-time. You're talking about Hawking radiation. Right, because you'd mentioned it. But that's... Oh. Okay. Yeah. Now, what's referred to as Hawking radiation is when this happens around the uh, uh, around the event horizon of a black hole, where these two virtual particles don't don't reannihilate each other. One of them falls into the black hole; the other one 
doesn't and kind of falls away from it. This is unfortunately something that we, uh, it's still in the mathematical formulae area. We don't have any way of really investigating this directly yet because we haven't been able to get up close and personal with a black hole, which is a good thing. Thank you. Um, but the the idea is that eventually a black hole could evaporate over an unfathomable amount of time and that theoretically it means that a black hole kind of radiates energy that could be detectable but the problem of it is would this be something that we would be able to see visually probably not because of how little it is and the wavelengths that we would be talking about and the type of energy it is so it it's kind of a weird thing like i said yeah astrophysics is something i know a little something about a little bit i i i don't have a degree sorry anyway i uh, that was actually tucked on touched on a bit by one of the explanations from a physicist regarding um a question that was asked of her what do people mean when they say that the universe could all of existence could just be a hologram that we live in a holographic uh, universe and they were talking about virtual particles and, and she was talking about virtual particles and how like if you get close to a black hole you've got one particle that would get sucked in the other one could get free but these particles normally uh come together and annihilate one another and um how data it. yeah and and technically that if the one outside the universe got destroyed in existence the one in the black hole still exists so technically we could go in and retrieve data and all this other stuff too it was, it was really kind of a neat i'm trying to find it if i can find it i'll post it so that we can reference it because it was i can't do her justice in her explanation it was freaking amazing it was off awesome what was also uh, just mentioned, by the way, uh, who was it? Uh, Doc Waxon uh, just had a thought. Super powerful telescope on Earth. Point at the moon and try to find what was left behind after the moon landing mission. It might change a few conspirators' <sighs> minds. Uh, of which Stephanie had said, Doc Waxon, not when they want to cling to their conspiracies. True. Very true. Mm -hmm. And They're... like I said, we have the laser range finding equipment that is able to, they're able to point it at the moon at a very specific point where the reflector is. And just a degree off, they send off the laser pulse, nothing comes back. They realign it, pulse, return. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, there's a, um, I was watching some documentary earlier today, and it was one of those, uh, search for other planets, you know, in other stars type shows. And they were talking about there was this, there's a couple of telescopes. I can't remember where they are, but they're using like 30 foot long, 30 foot diameter mirrors. And they are so powerful that they could actually zoom in on a candle lit on the moon, assuming you could light one on the moon. So... <sighs> Yeah, for, for a lot of these conspiracy nut bars who, who talk about this kind of stuff, 
we have ways uh you know like why don't you just come on out to this observatory you know what we'll we'll pay for your plane ticket to come out here you look through that eyepiece and we will show you you know the the, the landing module from from apollo 11 we will show you the footprints that are on the moon from these people i just put up a link to that yeah. npr article yeah but it's funny the 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 event i was at today we were talking a bit about mental gymnastics and how crazy some people could be when it comes to this kind of stuff the double and triple down effect and just to in the face of of, of pure evidence like if it's staring you literally in the face how does your brain do it? And there was a prime example. I'm deviating a little bit. I do apologize, but I think this is important. A devout Catholic, her, her brother, I think it was, committed suicide. Now, in Catholicism, we know what that means, correct? Yeah. Your, your soul is going to hell. She couldn't accept that. She couldn't reconcile it. She had she got it in her head that her brother was a was a good man and he didn't kill himself his wife murdered him so that way his soul can go to heaven the thing is the, the autopsy like everything points to what actually happened but her brain just clicked over to this to try to reconcile mm -hmm. belief versus reality so it makes you wonder with these people um you know you, you actually show them the thing what are they going to say oh you just etched that into the glass of the of the telescope yeah. and we leave you're going to replace that lens um yo dipshit the lens is that 30 foot mirror over there that's worth more than you made in your entire worthless life as a conspiracy theorist not to mention if you etch something into it you're not going to get that kind of detail or, or uh, picture. I, it's going to distort crazy. I, I know, but it's, it's the same. It's going to be like just a. It's going to be like a foggy spot at best. Yeah, but they're going to. They'll come up with something about that, or it'll be, oh, when we walked in, we were we were injected with nanites that affected our eyes or some shit. Like, <laughs> but, but my biggest question is why did like even creationists you could bury them in fossils and dna yeah. samples and and still they denied it but why do people do this that's really the you biggest know, question that that is a question that i would love to understand myself um because it it it, it has to be it has to be that there is something of value in holding on to that belief and i have an idea is, though the and, and the question be is what could possibly be that valuable where they would say i will dismiss reality and substitute my own the moon landing conspiracy is unique in that in that regard but because but, well no like this was this is the, the the going conspiracy for the moon landing so Kennedy said, we will put a person on the moon before the end of this decade. Right. So the conspiracy goes, they were having way too much trouble. There was too much problems with logistics, engineering, and the science didn't work. But Kennedy had made this proclamation. 
and we couldn't look weak before the Russians. So we stage it, we make it look like we're there, we keep our good reputation as strong, hardworking, patriotic Americans, and we thumb our noses at the Russians, and nobody has to know the truth. That was why, and the thing is, so that that's an they, end. Why, hmm? why didn't they do that for Sputnik too? Who knows? They could have done that well, along the whole line. I mean, just like why? Because they had to wait for Stanley couple? Kubrick to shoot on location. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he but that's a while, man. You just don't get to the moon overnight. Yeah, but that's how hey, no, How do you set up an entire set and studio and just like? Th that's a question for Stanley Kubrick, man. Yeah, well, he's yeah. he's. Well, wait a minute. We'll find out. Look, look, we're all going to find out in September when when those guys storm Area Fifty One, all Leroy Jenkins style, <laughs> and they'll see the south set where they put the moon landing. <laughs> all I gotta say for any of those idiots uh, are are two things. One. I hope you brought a crowbar. Those of you who are gamers know exactly where I went with that. Okay. Uh -huh. Number two, you do you think that's more important than storming the buildings where they're keeping the kids? It's a good question right there. In that, um, uh, I'm just curious. Three, and number three, uh, you forget that America that the American Air Force speaks three languages. They speak English. They speak Spanish. And they speak and, pew, pew, pew. Well, I was going to say they speak Bert, but yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the big guns. Bert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see those, you see those uh, three great big silver harbingers of doom bearing down on you? Are you talking about the warthogs? <laughs> yeah, smoke if you got them, buddy. Because very shortly you will be smoked. By the way. Yeah, just hold it up there. They'll light it for you. Yeah, yeah. Not the, they've not got uh, they've got the optics to do it. Yes, yeah, and but, they have. But, uh, unfortunately, a twenty millimeter bullet does not quite have that level of accuracy. Twenty mi <laughs> dude, the what? the you don't need accuracy. Oh, it, it gets its target. It's <laughs> true. It's true. It's true. And I'm trying to figure. Um... I would you know not hold, be hold surprised hold if somebody from the Air Force came forward and said, yes, in such and such uh, aeronautical craft, uh, aircraft with such and such weaponry, we could shoot the tip off a cigarette and not injure a person. I would not be surprised if somebody came forward and said that. Yeah. It, it was my bad. Um, oh, hold on. Yeah. Not 50 cal? On the, well, on the, um, on the Apache, it's a 20 mil. On the on the A10 Thunderbolt or Warthog, it's a 30 mil. My bad. Yeah, if if memory serves, uh, I I had gotten I had gotten this uh, this can of compressed air from uh, from BJ's. If memory serves, the the bullets that my brother had because he he drove he drove an A10 for a while would have been a little bit longer than this with the actual the actual projectile. The casing for the bullet would be about the same size as this. So, yeah, there's a that's, lot of explosive material in there. That, that, that's that's ultimate Bert. And, and given the fact that that's the sound that it makes because it fires so fast, you've got so many of those. Yeah, oh. Let's just put it this way. If it's the A-10 firing, it will go. the plane will actually fly backwards. 
Yeah, they actually have to slow down when they fire that weapon. Otherwise, the sh they'll shear the wings off. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as to something that uh, Trippin had mentioned, I'm pretty sure it was... Uh, hold on a second. No, sorry. It was Doc Waxen. I have no idea if the UK has a space program. I think the closest we got was when Top Gear launched a Reliant. Specifically, it's called the Reliant Robin. For those of you that don't know this particular piece, uh, I am going to make sure that the Reliant Robin Space Shuttle is in our notes so that I remember to go look up the video clip for that because that was, um, that was glorious. Completely insane, but glorious. They actually used the name Reliant in one of the uh, spaceships in Star uh, Star Trek. Watch it. Yeah, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yep. What do you mean, watch it? <laughs> you, 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 so you, you're crossing the streams, man. Don't, don't, Dude, don't, it's late don't at night. Don't, don't start. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. I'm on a coffee deficit. Don't start. That's fair enough. Now, <laughs> there's, a, there's a piece that Trippin had, uh, had just put that uh, is it, something I kind of want to talk about with you guys because it's it's dealing a little bit more with future tech, which kind of is going to seem a little on the weird side, but just follow me a second over here. Uh, Trippin had said, well, the feds will just use the lasers they use to start the California fires. Okay. Now, leaving the conspiracy part of it all aside for a couple of seconds, because I know this is totally tongue-in-cheek. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, Area 51 guys, uh, if you've got Shaggy coming along with you, congratulations, you win. So the idea of using sunlight for power is something that we've known about for quite a while now, fortunately. The idea of converting photons into electrical uh, impulses is something that we've known is a thing since... Well, Einstein postulated it with all of his stuff in the early 20th century. Yes, the the digital cameras that we work with are because of Einstein's equations. So thank you very much for that, Professor. We appreciate that. But we might remember that some weeks ago we ended up talking... No. Um when I was at Anthrocon, actually, you guys, which by the way, fuck you guys. I'm not that old. Screw y'all. Yes, well, I got to listen to the whole show, and I, I listened to what you guys said about me at the end of the show. So, you know, screw y'all. <laughs> Thanks. Good job, Panama. Okay, You're welcome. So, one of the things that was talked about was the solar, uh, the solar power generation array out in the desert here in the southwest of the U.S., where there are acres of mirrors focusing the light of the sun on a central point in order to heat i think it's molten sulfur i forget what they were using in any case the idea of utilizing captured sunlight <clears throat> as a form of not not a power generation but using it specifically to heat up materials is something that is doable there is one solar observatory which digs and tunnels down underground, focuses the light from the sun from the ground level 
down a tube to be projected onto a tabletop so that they can map sunspots. No shit. But the idea of focusing a three meter diameter section of sunlight on a clear day into a stream of sunlight, a pencil width thick will eat through. Eat through wood pressure treated two by four. So I kind of wonder the idea. One of the next steps that we have to consider is how are we going to be able to craft things in orbit on new planets on the moon? We know full well that they've been working on a 3D printer on ISS, which is cool as all shit. Don't get me wrong. But the idea of having a smeltery, basically, in orbit on a moon where you don't have anything to block the sunlight, be able to reflect that stuff down in order to heat up metal and make new composite materials with no actual output of power from batteries or anything like that, holy hell, we have the opportunity of doing stuff without even thinking about it. The only output and power is actually catching an asteroid that we can work with. Hmm. And, of course, somebody bringing a, a big enough magnifying glass because yeah. you know, them. Some people get that reference. Some don't. Mm. Space hands. But I love the idea that, you know, we could we could have a smeltery in space and make materials that otherwise we can't because densities of materials like uh, lead and oh crap what was it lead and silver i think i forget which one it is but they're supposed to be like a a a a conglomeration of different metals that have different uh melting points and different specific gravities so they can't we can't forge them into a a a alloy alloy that's the word i was looking for. Damn it, I'm, I'm looking for an, a, a word with the letter C, and I couldn't remember what it was. Yes, an alloy that we can't do here because of, you know, gravity. But you do it in microgravity, and, well, that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Of course, that also starts to bring up how well could you weaponize that, and I really don't want to think about that. Thank you very much. And that's kind of, that's the other problem, is that, you know, the, the, the first... The first instinct is okay. We got this. How can we use it to blow up people we don't like? I don't know. If it's the, you know, I don't know if it's the first, but I would be definitely thinking along the lines of um, how can we use it to impact an asteroid and get it to move off of course from us? You know, 10, 20 years in the future. Because yeah, oh, you need this little nudge. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's just me. No, it's not just you. Yeah, you know, and I, I remember Joey a um, long time ago was talking about asteroid mining, saying that some of the asteroids had the potential of, I think it was over a trillion dollars worth of material that could be successfully mined out of an asteroid. And what got me at that point was 
So what you're saying is you would need like two or three of those things just to take care of the national debt. That's okay. sad. Really, really sad, you know? I don't know. It's just one of those things other, that popped in my head at the time. The only problem with that thought is that assume for a moment that we could do it. Assume that we were the only nation that could do it. Okay. Uh, whether that's Canada, America, or the two of us combined. In fact, let's be nice. Let's say it's a joint effort between America and Canada, and we're the only ones who are able to be successful in it at this time. And we come back with all this raw material that could pay off our debts and everything else. What do you think the rest of the world's response is going to be? The rest of the world's response is not going to be positive. They're going to demand that, well, we need to share. We need to give technology. We need to do all these things. They're going to be upset. They're not going to want to pay the prices. They're going to want to say, hey, look, you're bringing all this material and you're going to drive the cost down. The stock market's going to respond yeah. and everything else. So, yeah, ideally bringing in a lump sum and all that crap, you know, if the stock market were to stay the same, if prices were to stay the same, it would pay off the debt. But in reality, it it would make a lot of things go haywire. And there'd be a lot of gnashing yeah. teeth and a lot of politics and a lot of bullshit. And sure, part of me is going, yes, we should share it. Humanity as a whole, when they put their when we put our energy into expansion, so expanding into outer space. We do less fighting. The fighting comes when we don't have any room to expand because there are other people in our way or we're lacking resources or such. If we're on an expansion kick and we're not running into other humans and we're finding these resources and we're utilizing them, we have less fighting. When you say mm -hmm. we, who are you talking about? Do you want Humanity as a whole. Yeah, well, you can't because um, do you really... Okay, already the expansion problem. Um, the Earth has a huge population, but yes. uh, there's lots of room left. So basically what we're talking about is Not fighting over react. resources. Fighting over resources. Yes. And those resources are required by who? People. You know, In but general. You have to follow that rabbit hole. I mean, you can't just globally, you know, assume that. Do you personally want to take a? We would shit? take. We would take weeks of explanations to go down every single rabbit hole involved. But every in time that. we That's approach why there's this the kind of subject, we always like scatter in all directions away from it. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not a matter of scattering. It's a matter of we don't have the kind of time it takes to go into all the nuances and all the details. So what well, you're left with is an time. overall generalized draft form. So we if, leave this kind of decision to the authorities. Is that what we do? I thought you were talking about for the discussion. Yeah, I am. Because when you're talking about we, it's like we are all making these decisions to go to other countries. In a way, we are. When when yeah. a, when a group of people choose not to fight back against a dictatorship government because maybe they know they can't win because they're in a position where they can't win, or maybe they haven't realized yet that they can win, you know they've made a decision. When we vote into office ahead Cheeto, we've made a decision. When we vote ahead Cheeto out of office, we've made a decision. If Are we didn't vote, week? we made a decision. Uh huh. Okay, but you my, have, my central, you have, I my central that you point have... is 
is that um, you, you're 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 citing needs, and you know needs to go to other countries and things like that. Um, but who is instigating that? Depends on the country that you're talking about. Depends on the town or village that you're talking about. It right. depends. So it's hard to talk about this globally, like you just did. Not truly. No, it's not hard because you have neighbors constantly testing other people's borders. You, but you just have said neighbors it would take that are constantly discussion. looking at other neighbors' resources and what they have and desiring it. But we're talking on a are you talking on a village level or like international level? Both. Okay. Well okay. Yeah. Because Sujin, are you having a hard level... time following this? Well, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm understanding where it's all coming out from. Joseph, is the is is the overall question what would end up ha I, I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Am I to understand that your question is basically what would happen to the markets on a micro and macro economic level, over, mm -hmm. meaning the economy overall worldwide, if and or when such an influx of new raw material were to suddenly come in and flood the markets? Maybe it, I could clarify my point a bit by thinking, um, because we, our economy uh, gives value to certain, um, like for example, diamonds had value. Uh, in reality, they don't have value anymore because of industry, because this is what introducing new uh, material, new technology into a, an economy does. And normally it should make things cheaper, but what, um, tech was talking about it's basically it's just dis disturbing an existing system flooding and, a market and, of anything would disturb this the market price the market value yeah right so and, sure. and, that's a general exception uh, uh, acceptance because yeah. what i see here is like um by disturbing you know we've got a system in place we've got money flowing basically into the same few pockets i mean things are set up that way because uh, we tend to give value to certain things. We're not talking you know, about bringing in a couple well, extra bags from a diamond mine. No, we're talking about like the, this shit, like like anything, like, like raw any, materials, uh, like okay, yeah, plutonium, neutronium, well, whatever, rare, rare earth materials, whatever yeah, but, it is. If there's a lot of it, it loses value. Like think about um, it takes less work to find it, basically. Yeah. Well, think about the raw materials of, of an asteroid. Let's say the majority of one we're mining is iron. It's a base metal. It's relatively common here on Earth when you can find it. But now here we suddenly have, you know, we can we can bring in a trillion dollars worth of iron. Well, then your your iron, you know, almost all of your metal business, your your ironworks, steel refineries, all of that would suddenly have this massive flood of raw materials. And yeah, it, it would have a definite, I mean, okay, the net benefit is suddenly there's no more shortage so that if people want to construct something out of, you know, make, make, make more skyscrapers somewhere 
or build more bridges or more railroads or something like that. There, there's no more, um, it, it wouldn't cost as much because you have that raw material, but that would Logically. collapse. Yeah, yeah, but that would collapse a market. I think the mm. only way it, it could be viable in, now again, using present day thoughts, well, the only way you could make uh, an asteroid mining system viable is if the materials don't make it here. Instead, they go to build like the lunar a lunar colony or the colony on Mars. Instead of blasting materials and supply, blasting raw materials out from Earth, just grab it from a nearby asteroid. That nobody then you know the cost of that colony's maintenance goes down because they have their own supply of materials. Yeah, I'm sorry, I was I was distracted. I was distracted by the point that um, you know just bringing stuff from another asteroid would affect our economy, but it's just what the effect on the economy would be. Yes. Well, I think the things should get cheaper. Yeah, I think the effect would be is that okay? So a refinery makes X million dollars a year for what they do because of the market price of steel right now. So that, you know, a, a portion of that profit or a portion of that, uh, whatever it's made, it goes down to the workers who are making X number of dollars an hour. But that's, but not, now, that's rarely true. <laughs> well, okay. Cut the cynicism, but let's just think about it. You know, mm. people who work in a refinery do not work for free. No, and having not. worked and having worked around hot metals, you get paid fairly well for doing it because there is an inherent danger involved. Yeah, uh, one one day you're working with hot metals, the next day you're a metal skeleton. Yeah, or yeah. you know, in, in my case, there there are burns on certain parts of my body. Or your slag. <laughs> damn near, uh, damn near was twice, but you know that's why I'm an alcoholic now. Um, but the point is now, so suddenly. So you produce, you know, say 100,000 tons of steel a year and you make $50 million a year on that. And a portion of that goes to your workers who are expected to be paid a certain amount, of a, a well-paid amount. But the, hundred, the, the $50 million you're making is based on the market price of the steel you produce. Steel at that point has a particular value assigned to it due to the laws of supply and demand. And again, I'm shaving a lot of nuance off here, but go with me. Now, suddenly, they've successfully mined an asteroid and they bring in, say, 500 times the amount of iron that you would normally purchase uh, from, you know, uh, from a mining consortium to make steel. So now suddenly, but now you have flooded the market with you know, a million tons of steel, it's no longer, because it's no longer scarce, the original market value, it doesn't work anymore unless you find some way to artificially inflate it, kind of like we do with gasoline right now. Or diamonds. Yeah. yeah. But how do you artificially inflate a meteor? Well, no, no, but no, but tech, you're not saying. You're not inflating the meteor. You're inflating the product that comes from it. Well, that's because now you've got a commodity that's available on Earth, but now it's available from another source. And because it's available from possibly an easier source to get, theoretically, it should not, 
it should actually drive the price down because now it's more common. My entire point was basically, you know, we're talking about introducing something into the market. Well, the market, we have to look at, if we're going to talk about that, we have to look at the market itself. And we're yeah. going to find that a lot of stuff in our system now is, is just a pure product of manipulation. It's not mm -hmm. a real value at all. And like, for example, with your iron example, if you're going to introduce iron into the economy, the value of the base product or the base, um, uh, what do you call it, a commodity or the, the mineral, whatever the yeah. resource, that would go down, but it costs just as much to produce it. Yeah, but there's okay. also the possibility of being able to grab uh, stuff that would otherwise be a relatively, well, uh, not relatively, a, a very rare resource here. Um, mm -hmm. There are but, some items it, on the uh, on the periodic table that are, well, let's face it, exotics that yeah, we it can't. costs more because it takes more work to find them. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's basically and, it. what I'm saying is basically if you're going to introduce something into we have to to really have a good look at the thing. We have to give things a real value and not a market value. Do you see what agreed. I'm saying? Agreed. And th there's there's something very, very, very much to be said for that. Um, using iron maybe might not necessarily be the best uh, the best choice because iron is a relatively common material. Yeah, I'm, How about I'm not gold. Gold. Uh, if we found you know an asteroid of gold and we had just so much fucking gold that it just doesn't have any value anymore, the, that'd yeah. be a great example. Gold would be a great one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gold, if the gold standard for uh, for the for certain economic models, if that end up collapsing, you know, th then you'd see a problem. Like the U.S. used to be on the gold standard, didn't it? Like you actually right. had to have in for, uh, theoretically in Fort Knox, you had to have as much gold in there as there was actual dollars in circulation at the time. I think the point of the gold standard is the standard. It's not the gold. <laughs> yeah. Right, because if we if we were over flooded with gold, then we'd have to find another standard, which means something that has X availability on the planet um, over X amount of time. You know, it's not there's nothing new coming. There's nothing. It's going to take the same amount of work to this is why find it. <laughs> so that's that's why it's the standard because it's not going to fluctuate too much. And that's why for me, it's a matter of thinking. Geez, when there's no scarcity of stuff to go around. Hmm. Money kind of falls by the wayside the way that we've thought about it for millennia. And that it's now. Yeah. Yeah. We can we can hope for that. Uh, for I had a question. Quick, that, uh, oh, sorry. I just no. just going back to a, a very recent example is the um, the, uh, the basic income that many governments are proposing. The, the universal basic income, yeah. Yeah. Yep, it's definitely a doable yeah. thing. Now, there was an item that uh, I wanted to see about uh, kind of wrapping with, because it's it's both an upper and a downer at the same time, depending as to which way we, we individually think about it. And considering I've been recognized as DJ Cynic, thanks, Alan, you know, <laughs> you can you can probably guess I'm somewhere on the fence on, on a lot of different pieces, but the question was this, and where the hell did it go? 
Oh, well, Trippin had asked, who drove the first moon buggy? Did they Rochambeau for it? I don't know. I don't remember. I think one of them had his driver's license and the other one didn't. Uh, politics. Which, what level there. of what level of driver's license would you need for that? Uh, I was going to say commercial, but um, technically it wasn't too much more powerful than a moon, bug, uh, moon buggy. Great. Yeah. Uh, a golf cart. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, if you had, oh, so if you have your go-kart license, that would be sure. Yeah, let's okay. go with that. And meanwhile, um, bear with me a second. Is my contact lens moving around on me? Oh crap, this does not feel good at all. It's all right, worse when you get an eyelash underneath. <laughs> why are yeah, why are you wearing both contacts and glasses? Those are reading glasses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so the question was, and I'm trying to where the hell did it go? I'm having a little bit of a hard time reading because uh, one eye is focused, the other one isn't now, and this is just really, really weird. Uh, is that to do with SpaceX? The 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 question? Oh, here it is. Uh, no, uh, it was Trippin who had asked. Uh, or am I reading it right? I think I may have read it a little bit too quickly, but I'm I'm going to credit it to Trippin. Uh, could that be why we haven't been back to the moon? It would crash the markets. Um, here's here here's here's the thing about it. America, NASA was able to get mankind to the moon today, 1969, for the very first time. Man stepped out. A few years later, Apollo 17 did it, came back, and hadn't been back since. Why haven't we been back? The cynic in me says, and it's a fair answer, that part of the reason is because the political dick-waving was over at that point. We did what we promised that we were going to do. Even the, even the the Soviet Union, at the time, the Soviet Union, admitted, "Yeah, all right, you did it. Congratulations." So there was no push because there was no need to. We proved that we could do it, and that's all that was necessary. Whoopee. So if we've already done that, what more do we need to prove? Oh, you guys want to go back to do science? Nah, man, you, you, you guys got all the money in the world that you needed, and, and we, we scored our points, so you guys get half of one penny per dollar that's coming in for taxes. Because we won our wars. And, you know, like I said, there's the cynic in me, and that's, that's unfortunately all too, all too real. But you don't but, have to be a cynic to see that. It's right in front of us. The, the trillions they spend on the military and how much they spend on NASA. I mean, and basic other science research. It's deplorable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And there's the there's the picture of the, the political cartoon from the forties where you know everybody's sitting in a in a in a restaurant and you know the arts are over at one table and they're waiting to be served and 
healthcare is over at another table. They're waiting to get served, but the military guy is getting all the money served onto his plate and his table and uh, being fawned all over. And you know, it's 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 sadly it's it's all too true. Should SpaceX shoot for the moon? There's a question I want to go ahead and talk through. And let me let me broaden it a little bit. Should a private space agency like SpaceX, like Blue or, or Blue Origin? I think it's the right name. I forgot. Should these groups be the ones to take us on that next step back to the moon? And is it a good or bad idea? I think they're the best suited to do it because I think one of the another reason we haven't been back to the moon is also because of political dick waving. Yeah. Because for now, even it's funny how long it's taking us to do shit these days. I mean, you know, <laughs> when you look to the past, uh, you know, building a tower cities uh, was done in like years before. Um, but um, yeah, eight years is not long enough because one guy starts a program and the next guy in office is just going to shut it down just for the um, tit for tat. Yeah. So uh, a private... You know, I, I don't know. It's funny. I'd like to know what their interest in doing that is. Why do they want to do that? What is their goal? Because I'm, I'm sure there's there's a lot of shit you can do with a with a base on the moon. Like for example, you know, a jump a jump point for interplanetary. You know, a jump point to get off the planet for starters. Yeah, it's true. Having I think a, we didn't go back because we found out the moon wasn't made out of cheese. See, I, I would give that more credence if uh, if the Kennedy Space Center was actually in Wisconsin. So, no. <laughs> it's because the man in the moon stood us up. He didn't show up. Um, I, the thing about a, a private company a private corporation um, doing this, it does become kind of ethical because what's, what is the end game for, okay, what does what SpaceX gain by making it to the moon or, or by set you know, by let's say making the first colony on the moon? Well, now any kind of revenue that comes from, you know, a mining project or some other kind of project, they get a cut. And if they get you know, a patent it, it, well, and I, I think there are actually there are there are treaties and stuff behind all of that right now that uh, no no nation or corporate. Well, okay, I don't know about a corporation, but I know that no nation can actually lay claim to any part of the moon currently. That there's is actually correct. there's actually treaties set up for that to basically say. If we go there, again, we go there as citizens of Earth, not as representatives of the United States or Russia or Canada or China or whatever. Um, I think if SpaceX was to go there, there would be probably an awful lot of uh, paperwork 
to make sure that that same treaty now goes to now extends to corporations as well so that you don't get you know the um you, you don't get that sort of dystopian era where you know Star starbucks owns the moon therefore you know no one else can do any business or if you want to do business here you you got to pay the coffee gods or something kind of like on the corporation sorry yeah i was i was gonna say uh, kind of like uh, what happens on mars you know you could you gotta pay for your oxygen supply yeah so in that respect i i think um well i don't know if there's any treaties on mars or for mars but i know that i i did read somewhere that there was one for the moon um so long as that treaty's upheld and that the company that's going up there is willing to you know maintain that treaty then yeah I, i'd say if, if spacex has the means and the motive to do it do it and i think it would also be a really nice middle finger to all the political hand-wringing that's been going on lately to say hey look while you guys have been going around not doing anything for the past 50 years greetings from the moon I was about to say something, but I forgot this is not really a power of 10. <laughs> well, it is. It is, actually. Well, it is, but it is. It is, but it isn't. But, you know, yeah. it, it's like, you know, greeting from the moon, guys. Um, what, you know, what was it uh, from the Holy Grail? Well, well, you've been wandering around with your, your knees bent skulking around. We went and did this. Yeah. Uh, the treaty that you're referring to, I didn't go looking it up, but to the best of my recollection, it was uh, a binding resolution that all nations signed on on for the United Nations. And it was to make sure that no government laid claim to any celestial body. Now, that at the, at the time, the idea that a private entity would be able to do that kind of thing was absolutely not even science fiction. But uh, so that's that's something that fortunately or unfortunately may be something to really reconsider the only other thing was uh not to use any any space-borne areas for warfare as as like weapon weaponry platforms and that kind of thing um and please forgive me this this contact lens is playing all kinds of higgledy piggledy in my face right now i'm not liking that Bridget, you've been exceedingly uh exceedingly quiet through most of this there's got to be something there's got to be something with the whole space program where you've just been like you know um i've really liked that i mean i'm not even asking you about the whole you know um medical part of it all because i mean trying to give somebody a, a hypodermic injection into their took us through a, a spacesuit probably not such a good idea you know that kind of thing so did, did you go away because you're you're muted now why are you muted she went away hmm. well that she bitch. did Hey, she did. She did mention that she was extremely exhausted and may not have been able to make it through the entire show. I don't remember that part. This was before we went live. Oh, so joy. That's where that's where his memory stops. Yeah, appreciate that. 
Um, <laughs> no, that was a joke. I only remember what I did when it was live. Heck, I'm yawning. Mm, sorry. Mm. She was very tired. That's fair. Uh, there was also uh, one other item that was uh, made reference to, and um, um, forgive me, I'm having a really hard time focusing to be able to read. And this contact, I think, is falling out of my eye now. Uh, about... It's visibly falling out of your eye. Is it now? I can't even. I can't even tell at the moment. Uh, the idea of uh, making a vault on the moon of either data, uh, a backup of. I don't know, I've like said it before. I think we need to put an extra seed vault up there. Yeah. Well, I understand that certain up. seeds only are viable for so long, so we put the stuff that has the longest longevity, the greatest longevity up there, because stuff that's only going to last like six months before being replaced, there's no point. You know, something that can last six to ten years in a vault, yeah, get that crap up there. That way, if we have a major catastrophe down here, we, we have something that's away from that catastrophe, potentially. Well, it's going to have to be back. underground because the mm -hmm. moon has yes. a meteor problem. Yeah. Well, heck, the first colony on the moon may be underground just because it would protect us against radiation and a bunch of other things. Plus, mining the moon, we found out there's water on it. So we, we actually have confirmation of, of ice. So mining out tunnels to build a... Or what? They, uh, they crashed no. a thingy. Wait, what did they crash into that they found ice? No, they they had uh, they had uh, radar returns first, and the then yes, they 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 did yeah they cratered something into it to yeah. kick up some dust that had, but uh, they didn't they didn't drill per se. No, 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 they didn't drill. No, what I'm saying is, if we were to create a colony under the surface of the moon during a drilling process, we would come across this material, and then that material could be harvested and used to irrigate crops depending on its purity and all the other shit that would, you know, all the potential problems that could come up depending on its purity and all that other crap. But what I'm saying is, is that there's already water there. We don't know how much exactly, but that's something that a colony could figure out along the way, the process of building an underground nexus uh, system. Heck, um, depending on what kind of gases we end up leaking out, we may end up using those for different utilities as well while we're up there. Uh, you know, if we come across pockets of helium, for example, it can be used for cooling purposes. Argon's an inert gas. That may exist up there in pockets in the rocks. So those may be used for propulsion systems or whatever the case might be. You know, emergency brakes if you're on the surface, you know, and you're up to speed on some kind of thing. Puffy Humans check. are a great source of gas, too. Huh? Humans are a great source of gases, too. Well, yeah, if you create an underground enclosed system, you're going to have to have recycling that's going to filter out all sorts of stuff, yes. I, I got you. I got I, I see what he's doing over there. Mm. Yeah. That, uh, the point is, is that we won't know until we can plan, we can hype we can make hypotheticals, we can run the math, we can do all the things. But until we make the attempt, we won't know for certain. Yeah, it's you know, it's really funny how things have changed for humanity because, okay, 
um, what I was trying to say earlier includes a lot of things. But, you know, we are basically in our own minds, we, we have a, a village mentality, you know, things before and years past were, were simpler. We could see our next human, we can, our relations with them, it's completely governable. But nowadays, things have expanded so much that, um, you know, the decisions we make have actual international consequences, like buying X product affects, you know, production going to another country or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's just becoming so vast and complex that it's, it's almost too much for one person to consider. There's so many variables, so it's hard for us to discuss um, just here and now about the entire, because if we're going to look at a situation, we have to look at every element of the situation in order to explain it. And that, that does become quite problematic to, to discuss between us, but it still needs to be examined if there's a problem with it. Do you, do you kind of see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, there, there's so much nuance these days in just about everything that yeah and so many you know there there might be details we're not even aware of when discussing yeah. things um, oh, absolutely yeah and it, uh, forgive me but uh, i'll just slip it in real quick uh, to be fair the nuances have always been there it's just that we never really knew that they were there and like a lot some of other people things. don't want us to know they're there also because, yeah i mean when we're talking about the value of things you know um we as individuals give certain value to certain things but that's also because of the market and who controls that but anyways it's a discussion for another day yeah by the way uh one last item that uh, that i'm gonna hit over here on on the on the on the chat uh tripping has said Shit, i'm amazed they have the ability to figure out what saturn's moons are made of that's not impressive no and i'll tell you why We've got probes out there. We are getting secondhand information, not exactly firsthand, because we're not, we don't have anybody actually there doing the note taking the same way that, you know, Dal was talking about the, the weather stations. You want to talk about trippy as shit? The idea that there are exoplanets out there, tens of dozens of light years away, and we can observe them as they go in front of their parent star and figure out what the composition of the atmosphere on that exoplanet is made of by reading the light and seeing what bands in the yep. spectrum are being captured and passed through. That is trippy shit. Because not only do you get to do that, you also get to figure out the mass of the damn thing by how much the light is being bent from the mass of the planetary body, yeah. too. It gets, I told you, man, I don't know, I don't have a degree, but man, there's a lot of stuff I really like. Find really there's cool. one um, off of a documentary I saw, and I believe the planet, the, the planet's name was, was Bellera, Bellerophon. Now, consider this. It's a gas giant, like Jupiter, but allegedly it's in a Mercury distance orbit from its star. 
Now imagine what that would look like. You've got a planet the size of Jupiter getting pelted by the solar wind at that, like at danger close range. That thing has got to look like a comet being burned off. And yeah, I mean, we see the CGI and all that stuff, but the thing is, these, these CGI animations and stuff that we see of things like black holes of certain planets, they start somewhere and they're starting from that data that you just mentioned. And you think of that where you get this little pinprick of light that you look at over a few days, you see the dimming of it. So, you know, there's something in front of it and you look at that and then you, you check the absorption spectrum or the ref whatever the spectrum is and you realize, okay, so it's got this, it's got that, it's got everything. The mathematics behind that is phenomenal. Then you think about the comet, which I've talked about many times, where some guy did a 10-year mathematical projection and landed a washing machine on a freaking comet. And we're getting pictures back from it, and they're freaking amazing. Yes. There's a proof it got its own Twitter account for crying out loud. But, but the thing is, and all these people who talk about, like these hoax people say, the, the math was too hard. No, it's not. The math is too hard for you because you didn't study. But for the 400 plus thousand people who poured blood, sweat, tears, and other things into it, they had a purpose. They had a focus. They were going to put a piece of, they, they were going to put three people, well, two people on the moon. And they had X number of years to do it. You want to talk incentive. The, the amount of, The, the math and the science involved, especially with the technology of the time. Uh, that that video I told you about yesterday um, from Space Talk Fusion that actually has a lot of the um, a lot of the specs of, of the equipment that they used. You know, we had digital watches in the eighties that had more power than. Uh, you know, the, the Timex Sinclair 1000 computer had more, more punch. The Commodore 64 had more punch than what was in the, um, what got us to the moon. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, real quick, uh, Bridget has got to uh, take off. Hun, thank you. You, uh, you take care of yourself. Thanks. And yeah, we'll we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. No. I'll give you I'll give you an update as to what we're going to be doing shortly. Okay, good night. Okay, night, hon. Take care, Bridge. But and that 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 pioneer spirit, and I I think that is where we're losing it. Is we have we have technology now that we could we could send people as far out as Europa to you know to look at that water to to go to go fishing with, with Mr. Tyson or Dr. Tyson on, on the shores of Europa. I'd love to see that. We have the ability, but I don't think we have that pioneer spirit anymore where anybody's willing to accept the risk or the possibility that it could be a one-way trip. Can um, I? Hmm? 
I try to make this short. But when we're talking about conspiracy theories and you know what you're talking about, the pioneer spirit, it basically everything comes comes down to comfort bubbles. Yeah. Um, and we, as you said, you know, the math is complicated, the technology is complicated. Well, we don't master that either. Basically, no. most people they owe their survival to the masters of this math to this technology basically you know we're relying on other authorities if you want um yeah. to do all the thinking and all the work for us and i'm going to tie this back into the conspiracy theory uh thing is um these conspiracy theorists basically what they're doing is maintaining an illusion of being responsible for their own survival pretending that you know that uh, they control their own environment they say what's good and what's bad and what's harmful and what's not in their own in their own environment and they're doing this just to mask the fact that uh, they like most of us they rely on uh, technology and other forms of uh, greater organization for their survival yeah but sadly they don't think about where that technology comes from or they don't how, think or how it works. They, they just take for granted that it's there without putting any any thought into what 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 has gone into that communications network in the background that allows even us to do this you know it's the, like what you're talking about the pioneer spirit and all that it, it that also it comes down to basic laziness mm -hmm. you know we're we're too fucking comfortable <laughs> Uh, to put it shortly i mean yeah. like why why bother i mean I've, I've i'm great the way i am like you know the pioneer spirit it's also motivated by survival like you know the western frontier and all that why were people on the front edge living in nature you know the first explorers there i mean there was tons of motivation there they had no other choice if they wanted to discover this new yeah i, I think what it is character. nowadays is that the reward is not egocentric enough to motivate people like that because well yeah because we we fly out we're stuck you know something something's wrong but the knowledge we send back at this at the expense of our own lives could in 10 years get another ship out there and this time actually do the round trip. And I think what it is is that, okay, look, I go up there, I might not come back. So what's in it for me if if I don't come back? Like, why will I not, why will I not see the benefits of my own work? That's also part of the problem too. Uh, mm -hmm. What's in it exactly. for me? Exactly, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, it, it, because I mean, just, there's no sense of, um, oh, in French they say it best, altruism. altruism. Uh, Altruism, yeah. Well, yeah. no, it's not really out. It doesn't have the same connotation in English, but it means basically just sense of other. Yeah, which means like what you do as an individual actually affects the people around you. Yeah, and there seems to be a total lack of awareness of that. Nobody. It's a lack of accountability. Also, it's a lack of thought because I mean, um, you know, even cognitive dissonance requires cognition. That's true. <laughs> no, because if you've got two contradicting points in your mind, um, 
if you don't try to connect the two, there's no problem. They don't contradict because you're just not thinking about it. Something should be said for that. Uh, we gotta we gotta see about uh, rolling up over here. But uh, since since you guys have had uh, the the chance to kind of bat back and forth over there to kind of close up real quick, uh, Tech, was there anything that you wanted to end up closing off with? I'm gonna give the other guys a a, a quick item uh, in a second too. But I just figured. Um, I sign off now because I'm having a pee emergency. So yeah. Just... yeah, let him go. Let him go. 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 No worries. Okay, okay. Sure. Thanks, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> I'll, okay. I'll hang. But okay, we'll catch you back in a little bit. So, take an item that you wanted to uh, close out with. Yeah. Um, as a society, not just here in America, but in other countries too, where they're having similar problems uh, with companies having major influences on the governments, things like that. Um, we as a people need to get our shit together. We're letting organizations that don't have anybody's best interests at heart except for them and their bottom line. And that's never good for the environment. That's never good for um, the development of the human species. It's not good for anything except for the company. And we need to get out into space. We're on a planet. We're on a little tiny blue, pale blue dot, as it was once called. We're a little tiny mud ball in a vast something you, you could put a drop of sand in the ocean and we'd still be smaller. We'd still be smaller than a drop of sand on the scale of the entirety of the cosmos. Okay. That's how small we are. And we're on one little tiny dot. If something happens here, we're gone. We're done. Um, Eventually, those waves that have made it out into space from our television and radio and everything else, they'll eventually reach enough interference that they'll just become background noise, indecipherable. There'll be loss in, in transmission and everything else. We will end up being forgotten. And depending on how the universe or cosmos functions as a whole, we all, you know, the cosmos itself may eventually be forgotten. But during the time that we're here, we have a shot of getting off and expanding out into space and potentially keeping the human race alive long enough to actually do something truly memorable at a bigger scale. Something hopefully positive, but something memorable so that when our time does come as a species to go bye-bye, if there's any intelligent life after that, they can look back and go, wow, they did this. That's kind of neat. That's kind of cool. That's inspiring. We should remember them for that. I'll never see that in my lifetime. But I can hope that the humanity as a whole gets there. But when you have what's going on like here in the States happening, it's not going to happen we're we're going to kill ourselves before we get out there. Make sure you do your research on the politicians that you vote for. Make sure that the ones that align with the ideals and the goals that get us into being better 
relationships with other countries, relationships with our neighbors, relationships with our own fellow pe uh, people, you know, the, within our borders. Um, and progressing scientific knowledge and uh, technology and getting us out there and getting us expanding. Do your votes. It's not just a president or, you know, one particular cabinet member or whoever that you're voting for. You have to look at them all. And it's your job to do the research, not to be told, but to actually look up and research your politicians that you vote for, who they are, what they stand for, what their history is, and get it done. All right. Dallin, any real quick last item that you think needs to be popped in here? Um, it would be nice if something like returning to the moon could become a unifying force for the world. Because really, that's what we need. Um, a, a, a joint mission, well, yeah, a, a joint mission to the moon to establish a foothold or a beachhead, if you will, before we jump out to go further. It's something I would love to see. But I don't think right now we as a species are ready to do it because we we're not we're, we're not we're not mature enough yet you know we we don't have that sort of we don't understand our place in the universe right now we all still think that there's some god that thinks we're we're special and that god has many different names for us many different ways of worshiping and there's conflict between how that worship is done and that's why a lot of us are trying to kill each other honestly i, I think if any if any alien race found us right now they they would pass over they, they would pass us by and just go nope ain't ain't doing any of that and yeah someday i'd, I'd love to see it but I don't think we're going to see it in our life. I don't think we're going to see a lunar colony in our lifetime. There's too much. I mean, Christ, we're, we still got people who think the world is flat. That should tell you right now what, what sort of the state of the earth is right now in terms of mentality. We're not ready. Nice if we were, we're not. The last piece that I want to drop in, and um, I'm I'm a little self conscious about uh, about my closings now. Ask me about it sometime later. It's 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 kind of a good thing. What Joseph just said about how there isn't the pioneer spirit the same as what we had once upon a time ago. I don't know that that's exactly right. I do believe that there are people who want the opportunity to go out there to to learn to find the next frontier if you'll pardon but i think the biggest problem is that it's not the people it's the overseeing organizations 
And I don't, I don't mean NASA. I mean the people who tell NASA how much money they've got to work with. Because it all comes down to how much are you going to invest? It doesn't have to be money. It could be sweat equity. It could be research projects that otherwise seem to have nothing to do with it all. Learning how to cram more power into a battery, finding new combinations of chemicals that work together to have a better density with better you know stuff to save it i mean how the hell do you find all those nokia batteries to put on the outside of the next shuttle so that it won't blow up on impact with anything some of you know the whole thing it's a matter of having the drive it's a matter of letting the people have the opportunity to do what it is they want to do People want to learn. People want to experience. There are people who want to diverse, diversify. Am I thinking of the right terminology for it? There are people who want to add to what we already know. And they're just not being given the chance to do that. People who want to build new new probes who want to develop new engine types even if they're not exactly going to work they're people who want to expand the horizons of where we can view stuff from and if there's one thing we know about the horizon it gets lower and lower and lower the higher you're able to view from standing on shoulder who's standing on shoulders who's standing on shoulders they're there it's just a matter of giving them the opportunity to help each other out like i said are we going to see it in our lifetime who knows maybe maybe not probably not but damn it it'd be really cool and again, the idea that somebody else could do it and not even have to worry about a governmental agency getting in the way. There's something really cool about that. Of course, there's always a small problem of realizing that um, Starfleet was a governmental organization under the United Federation of Planets. Moss Eisley was a place run by individuals. You might want to reconsider which one is better or worse. It's about that time. We got to really go ahead and write, uh, wrap everything up at this point. So, of course, as always, everybody, thank you very much for being with us. We hope they had fun talking through some of this stuff uh, longer than it was. Sorry. But um, hope that you had yourselves a, a good time thinking through this stuff and found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives. As this time, it is now 6.06.25 UTC, which means according to the timetable, 06... 
EVA has ended on the moon and equipment will be jettisoned in about an hour. Lunar liftoff will be happening at 1800 UTC. It's almost time for uh, the guys to come home. It's a really cool timetable to look at. So let's go ahead and get our butts on out of here. Joseph, thank you very kindly. You have yourself a good morning and thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, sorry if I uh, entered into uh, <clears throat> a rabbit hole a bit too complex to... Uh... You know, sooner or later, we, we, we always have that happen. It doesn't matter. There's always going to be a topic like that that's going to have happen. Don't sweat it. All right. You take care, sir. Thank you. Tech, you take care of yourself. You have a, a good sleep uh, when I finally get you out of here because we got, we got a techie thing that we have to talk about after we get done. Oh, yeah, definitely. But thanks for your time, man. You take care. Of course. Thank you. And, and try to stay cool, huh? Uh, believe it or not, the, the AC is doing an excellent job in the house here. Um, so we're all comfortable in that respect. It's just I'm not used to actually reacting to the cold. I'm used to being able to dive out in the snow and everything else. So actually have go walking past a vent where the cold air is coming out and it's hitting my skin. And I'm going, wow, that's actually chilly. It's kind of like. That, that's a little strange. And then I realized it was like, oh, look, when you eat food, your body temperature goes up. When you, uh, you know, consume calories, your body is maintaining its temperature. Here I am getting rid of that stuff. You know, I'm on a deficit. You know, it, it, it's not, it's making sacrifices in other places. So basically what it's saying is that he gives his uh, air conditioner two nipples up. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Dallin, of course, as always, thank you very much. And uh, God, <laughs> you, you you try to have yourself a good day tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully with less humidity. Oh, I, I I'd settle for less rain. Period. But uh, we'll see. Um. Anyways, as for myself, of course, I'm the curator of the audio version of the show over at holycraptheblogcast.com. And for anything else, any other random thoughts, I always have uh, my blog over at inthewind.yo5.ca. Thank you for that. Uh, on behalf of Bridget, of course, good night, everybody. Uh, and if you'd like to be in touch with her, you can find her as uh, Bridget Fitch over on Facebook. And her blog is uh, bridgetfitch2112.wordpress.com. We, um, I don't know about anybody else. I've had a great time thinking over a lot of this stuff and really trying to stay on the actual heavy science side for a change. I know, mm. I know uh, a couple of, a uh, couple of sci-fi things here and there, but you know, we, we said it sci-fi gets us into the science area. Cause you know, everybody wants to be able to replicate that shit. Cause it's cool. Except for laser swords. Nobody wants that. That's, that's a whole other thing. 
as was mentioned, uh, take a swing over to holycrapthevlogcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast. We'd love for you to join us. We don't look at the numbers. We don't care. We, we just keep doing our thing because we enjoy it. Uh, however, as far as numbers are concerned, if you want to leave us a voicemail message, the phone number over there is... Oh, crap. I can't read it because my eyes... Uh, my eyes are so screwed up because I've got three different focal lengths going on in front of my face right now. <laughs> So the phone number is 859-HCTV-554-859-428-8554. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it, it is what it is. Thank you for being part of all this tonight. Like I said, I don't have any functional memory of the moon landing. I really wish that I did. And for those of you that do, I am incredibly jealous. I hope that you have yourselves a great time. Please, for what it's worth, spare an extra thought to the countless numbers of people who invested time and money and energy and thought into the process that got humanity to its first celestial neighbor. And it's not just the engineers, man. It's not just the scientists. It's not just the people who did the wiring harnesses on the landing module. It's the people who cook the food, you know? It's the people who figured out the recipes that'd be safe to eat in space in a low-gravity environment so that things wouldn't get stuck in uh, the controls. You know, the whole... Uh, most people are disappointed. I was one of them as a kid to learn that space ice cream was never consumed in space. And it cannot be consumed in space because it creates particles that would float around in the air and get into the controls however i was very happy to learn at least the chocoholic in me was happy to learn that they do have brownies yeah but but they have it, to follow a special recipe and that took a chef to figure that out and if you want to think back how far can it go archimedes you can easily go as far back as archimedes for learning all the things that he did with no computer stuff of any kind, estimating the size of the earth, the fact that it is a sphere of sorts. And if you really want to go ahead and think as to how important it was, I, I specifically give a lot of credit to Michael Collins the command module pilot for Apollo 11. The man who had to know that he was going up to the moon and wasn't going to touch it. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. So we're going to get on out of here. We will be looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Um, I have some new technological stuff that we have to talk about as far as to how the show is going to go forward, because screw Google in some ways, but we'll deal with that later. With luck, it should not impact how the show is produced in any significant form. So until the next time we get together, everyone, thanks for being with us. As always, I wish you all the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. And of course, my lady, I love you. Not today, Fujin. Dream with me. 
Until the next time we get together, everyone, as always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.